0: Hey podcast world. It's Rob Beller coming to you today by myself because I had the opportunity of doing a interview with Mr. Matt Talbot, the co-founder and CEO of Go Spot Check. And I did that all by myself. So I'm doing the intro alone. And for those of you who aren't familiar Go Spot Check is a very interesting company that is newer to insure tech, but not a new technology company. And they've been very active in other verticals like consumer product goods uh, in particular in helping uh, remote and mobile workforces do their job in a highly effective, highly organized way, and also capturing data and feeding that data back to management and decision makers to help uh, complete the circle of uh, getting the most out of their mobile workforce. And um, not surprisingly, uh, Check is now entering into the insurance market where we have tons and tons and tons of mobile workers, um, both highly skilled, like at 470 our independent adjusters who are located all around the country. But also with much um, different or lesser skill sets and giving them a tool to accomplish uh, tasks that are, might even be beyond what they've been trained to do due to the way that uh, they've organized their app and how it works. So um, uh, very interesting, uh, very new. And uh, we wanted to get it out to our, uh, our InsurTech audience because this is something that you should absolutely hear about. So uh, I won't go on. I'll let Matt do a lot of the talking. And without further ado, here's our, here is uh, my interview with Matt Talbot, co-founder and CEO of GoSpotCheck.com. Hey everybody out there in podcast world, we are here with our special guest Matt Talbot from Go Spot Check. Hey Matt, how you doing?
1: I'm doing great, Rob. I'm thrilled to be here and appreciate you guys having me on the podcast.
0: Sure, sure. And full disclosure, I only had to chase you for like months.
1: <laughs> the, <laughs> your uh, your persistence is admirable, and as we all know, anybody's responsible for. Selling anything or making anything happen, persistence is the name of the game. So I, I respect that and love that, Rob.
0: <laughs> I hope I didn't put you on the spot there. You're very generous <laughs> to be here today. My pleasure. Okay, great. Um, so you are the CEO of Go spot Check, correct? Co-founder, CEO, is yes. that right?
1: Yep, co-founder and CEO. Okay, and Go spot Check was founded in? It was... Uh, Eight years ago on May sixth. So yeah, we were founded May sixth, twenty
0: eleven. Oh, you want to know something really cool? Uh, Four seventy hmm. claims our company was founded on June fourteenth, two
1: thousand eleven. Oh, there you go. It's a, there you go. It's a great vintage, I guess, for it's... amazing companies. <laughs> That's right.
0: <laughs> That's right. Um, anyways, let's let's jump in and start by. Um, talking about Go Spot Check, and give me a couple of minutes, a minute or your elevator speech or whatever you have, whatever it is on Go Spot Check. Who you are, what you are, and what you guys do.
1: Sure, absolutely. So, uh, our vision here at, at Go Spot Check is to really reimagine how tomorrow's workforce works, uh, and what that means is that we build mobile software uh, and web software that helps every employee in an organization get their job done uh, faster and better with higher throughput. Uh, So we view our job as kind of shepherding in digital transformation and automation uh, to improve business results. So a little bit more tactically, uh, we have a mobile app that's used uh, predominantly by field-first workforces that helps them capture information on the go with just a few simple taps. Uh, All that data is then instantly aggregated into a reporting dashboard where their management or partners can slice and dice real-time operational analytics to get a really good grip on how their business is performing. Uh, So we're super passionate about mobile technology. We're super passionate about the workforce and building software that is delightful and easy to use and yet powerful. And we're really big believers in automation and analytics, unlocking you know, differentiated uh, and powerful business value for all of our customers. Um, we, like you mentioned, have been around for about eight years. Uh, we have all of our employees here based in Denver. We're about 130 employees strong. And, um, yeah, that's that's pretty much us. So that's really interesting. How
0: – I mean, there, what was the vision – what great idea! I mean, I saw on your website that you're all a bunch of very young people. You look like you're like twenty, and
1: <laughs> fooling, <laughs> <so>. fooling everybody, <laughs> or
0: so. Maybe that's not really a picture of you. We don't know.
1: Yeah, um, that's right. It's all about marketing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, now, now you're talking. Um, where, where did you guys start? Is this where you started? Was this the original vision, or is was there a pivot in there somewhere? Tell us, tell us the story.
1: Our founding team has a long history of pivots. And um, I think that as founders, we're very pragmatic. And what we're focused on is learning to, or listening to and learning from the customer. And that means that over the course of the eight years we've been in business, we've tried a number of different things. Um, our founding story was actually a, a pretty wild one because uh, we originally came together as founders to start a maternity clothes for rent business believe it or not and this was driven by the fact that um i'm lucky enough to have a beautiful eight-year-old daughter who was born in january 2011 and um, i saw the problem that my wife had which was uh struggling to find affordable uh high quality maternity clothes for her job Mm -hmm. and so the three founders came together with this crazy idea that we were going to build kind of a rent the runway or netflix for maternity clothes but very quickly decided that uh, even though that was our founding idea, that wasn't really what we were passionate about, nor what we mm-hmm. wanted to invest the next 10 or 20 years of our life in. So what we did is in 2011, we kind of took a step back and said, you know, what do we think um, are the biggest sea changes that we're seeing right now in the technology space? And we really rallied around mobile And in 2011, keep in mind that most of the developments from a mobile perspective, um, I always say that in 2011, it was Angry Birds. Right. And there was a huge focus on the consumer, right? And building gaming applications and Mm -hmm. messaging applications and social applications. Kind of fun
0: engagement
1: toys. Yeah, totally. Like basically, what do you use, you know, what do you use on your phone to kill the five minutes a year in line getting your (laughs) burger for lunch, right? Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) And we said, hey, these things are supercomputers, right? One smartphone today has the same amount of computing power as uh, the amount of computing power that NASA used for the Apollo missions. Wow. So we're talking about amazing, amazing devices that are always connected to the internet and have amazing processing power. So we said, Mm -hmm. hey, how, how will this change business? And that was what we were passionate about. You know, I have, I have a bit of an analytics background at Johnson & Johnson. My co-founder, Joey, did SAP implementations for years. And my co-founder, Samantha, was actually a retail entrepreneur. So we said, how do we kind of combine some of these insights into something interesting? And what we focused on was we really think mobile was going to be a game changer. And so we wanted to build mobile applications that help businesses do their job more efficiently. And okay. we kind of set out with that thesis and then just began to experiment with different use cases and markets. And uh, I, I would say really began to take off in kind of uh, 2014 or so. So
0: now you guys are a little bit newer to the insurance vertical. So tell us about some of the other verticals where you got started and 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 where you've really made um, major name and your impact to date.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So we're also of a DNA where we, are very strong believers in in deep focus. And so we built our platform in a way where we believe it can be used by virtually any business in virtually any use case. Um, but with that said, we wanted to be very intentional on the markets that we entered because we believe that In order to be effective within a a market or use case we need to have deep domain expertise and really learn the business problems and opportunities where we can make a big impact with our technology so we spent really the first you know three four years of being on the market almost exclusively focused on consumer packaged goods Um, and that's across a number of different subcategories but really looking at okay what is the field sales experience in cpg and how are they auditing the stores that they're selling to today and how can we improve that to give them better visibility to in-market execution Important. uh we were lucky and yeah we were we were lucky enough to grow very fast in those segments um and and work with amazing customers like you know PepsiCo and Clorox and Hormel and um and a lot of big wine and spirits providers legendary brands amazing you know we were super lucky and and we definitely think it was driven a lot by our focus And now that we've built a very successful business in in that industry um, as founders, we've kind of said, what's next, you know, and we continue to develop innovation for our kind of core markets, but we're also, I would say, spreading our wings a little bit. And, um, we find it, uh, insurance to be a, a fascinating space because a lot of the dynamics and the technology needs are so similar to those of the workflow in consumer package goods and retail that we said, you know, this is an area where we believe we can bring some unique perspective and expertise and maybe, you know, something that PepsiCo is doing with the platform could be applicable to a large uh, insurance company. Of, of and course, so of course. that's uh, kind of how we ended up getting into this space.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, Business, businesses are different from vertical to vertical, but they're also the same. Businesses, is business. Yeah, they rhyme. Right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, the mobile workforce obviously is exploding, right? I mean, yeah. you, the Uberization of everything or yes. whatever can fall into those categories. Um Yes and that's kind of where you're focused.
1: Yeah, yeah. We uh you know, we we're, we're big believers that the the very nature of work and the fabric of work is is changing in a way that will uh forever change the way that we all work going forward. And I think that's driven by you know, from our perspective a few trends which is is one it is about the rise of the gig economy where we're seeing you know, I think by 2020, you could see upwards of 40% of the U.S. workforce working primarily in a in a contract environment. And wow. that's everything from doing small gigs to being a contractor to being a consultant. Mm-hmm. And we think that that's an awesome trend because it enables a lot more agency for everybody to choose the type of work that they want to engage in. And that that empowerment of the workforce is is a critical trend and one that is really only made recently possible by the connective tissue that is the internet. Mm-hmm. And you know what we're seeing is that that trend is only going to accelerate. Mm-hmm. And we're going to see organizations begin to make very different choices around their overall labor and human capital strategy, where we'll see a deeper investment in full-time employees to do more analytic and creative work. And we'll see more work that can be replicable, sourced out into a gig economy that is done by participants in that gig economy that are opting in and out of different types of work all the time. And that's often, you know, I was in a Lyft the other day and talking to the driver and asking her what, you know, her goals are in life. And Mm -hmm. her vision is to be a professional musician. And Lyft is a great opportunity for her because she can make the money that she needs to make on the hours that she needs to make it while she pursues her passion. Mm -hmm. And we think that's an incredibly cool sea change that's happening. So from our perspective, what we're doing is we're just trying to build the software that helps power this type of work in Mm -hmm. a way that's elegant and delightful for the end user, but also importantly, very powerful and analytically strong for uh, the employer or the buyer of the system. Mm
0: -hmm. So give us an example of a use case in 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 one of those CPG verticals or vertical that 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 you were telling tell, tell us how how you kind of fit into their workflow.
1: Absolutely. So, GoSpotCheck is really kind of a two part system. There's a an administrator interface that's a web application, and there's a mobile application that's used for the frontline field workforce. So let's take an example like Anheuser-Busch. So pretty much any store you walk into across the country, you're going to find a, a pack of Budweiser. And um, Budweiser relies on somewhere between fifteen and 20,000 reps on the front line that are responsible for selling, servicing, and merchandising their products across what amounts to be hundreds of thousands of different accounts that they sell into every week. And if you think about the challenge for Budweiser – what are some of the major trends in the market well one is certainly a changing and more complex consumer taste profile right
0: right they right? have big they have big competitive issues
1: huge right where mm-hmm. now every town has 15 amazing microbreweries right that, that are making great products that are very different than budweiser and bud light so Anheuser bush has been very very smart to acquire more and more microbreweries and build their portfolio of products now, the challenges right. for the frontline workforce, it's not just about stocking cases of Budweiser anymore. It's around building an interesting portfolio of powerful products that attract and match the changing consumer profile. Well, if you're Anheuser-Busch, how do you manage this across 15 or 20,000 reps, across hundreds of thousands of points of sale? That's yeah. where SpotCheck comes in.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I've, I've never, just to jump in, I've never thought about the complexity of that, um, you you walk into a grocery store and the, there's a beer guy frequently stocking beer um, on the beer aisle for those of us who spend a lot of time on the beer aisle. <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> and, and an increasing <laughs> amount, I might add, which you can tell by my stomach, but that's another topic. <laughs> um, well, I don't know that you guys have a solution for my waistline. uh, 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 uh could be
1: our, v, our V2.
0: <laughs> but when you think about how do you how do you maximize that presentation and that and their work across thousands of grocery stores across thousands of distribution points
1: that's a complex problem that's a big problem it's a, it's a super challenging problem and it's more important than ever because because of that changing consumer taste and because of the additional competitive pressure and because of the localization of everything so what we're seeing retail shift to is no longer the same selection in the same store on every corner. We're seeing a much more localized profile. And the reason why is your standard replenishment products, you know, which could very well be your deodorant that you're going to use the same brand every time is going to be auto fulfilled through an e-commerce player. However, when you're looking to discover a new and interesting product, that's when you're really heading into that experiential store. And so the need for Budweiser to present their product portfolio in a way that captures the interest of a consumer as they're going through a buying decision process in the store is incredibly important. And that also means ensuring that they have the right stock levels for all of their highest selling SKUs, like a case of Budweiser. So they use our software to basically distribute these thousands and thousands of, of contextual tasks, meaning person and place dependent tasks that specify those frontline workers to do this at this account and the other thing at the other account. And as the workers use our application to track what they're implementing in each store, all of that data is instantly aggregated into reporting dashboard where now Anheuser-Busch, a corporate can slice and dice the information and better understand where are we winning, what's working, and mm-hmm. better understand where do we need to take some corrective action.
0: So there's, there's kind of two sides to it. If, if I understand, one is to tell that the, the remote or the mobile worker, um, do it this way. Right. Yep. And the other one is then to take all the data that, that, that that mobile worker gathers and aggregate it up and put it in front of decision makers, I would assume. Exactly. Or managers.
1: Yeah. And that's one of the things we focus on is how do we also unlock operational insights so it doesn't just sit at corporate IT in the BI system, Mm -hmm. but it really can be used by a frontline manager and by Mm -hmm. a regional leader and that it's all real time and contextually important, which allows them to hopefully take action faster, because I think that as we all know, Rob, the competitive environment is getting faster and faster and faster, meaning that the cycle times are just shrinking. So the faster that you can respond to conditions and take, take action, you know, the better you can compete.
0: Right. When I uh, became full-time involved in the insurance industry, if, if our cycle time was 11 days, that was an acceptable number. Mm. um today we recently signed a contract with a major top 10 insurance company and the requirement is uh the the service level agreement is 5 days so that's um you know less than half wow and um we said to them you know how are we supposed to do that and they said do it so <laughs>
1: yeah right we don't we don't care about the how we just want not the really result. our problem <laughs> That's that's your problem, but it sounds like your
0: your guys' solution may help with that.
1: I think so, and I think that, you know, what what we find interesting is, you know, as an organization, you know, we do believe in in very deep focus and in understanding a particular domain or market that we're entering. And and we've been very successful in enabling consumer packaged goods companies to drive real-time operational insights to shorten that cycle time. Uh, As we've scaled, you know, we're now 130 employees and have, you know, well over 200 enterprise customers, we're beginning to get polls and entering new markets. And one of those key markets is is insurance. And I Mm -hmm. think it's very much the same dynamic where the tolerance for turnaround time and waiting on results uh, is just, it's, it's going away. People want the information that they want now. Right. And that's driven by societal things that are much bigger than you and I could ever control. You know, when you're used to pressing a button and getting a car. Or or by, or by Amazon. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's Mm -hmm. like the, if you think about the expectation of, of every person that is using technology in their day to day, you're now, operating in an environment where somebody can press a button and 20 minutes later, a hot meal shows up at their door. Correct. And that's a pretty crazy sea change in the way that things work. And so what we're seeing is that that is trickling down into business where the old way of working was, well, if we need an application for our team, we go to our internal IT team. Mm-hmm. Right. Our internal IT team spends eight months developing it. And then they release it. And by then, it's already not what we need anymore. So then we put in a change request. Six months later, we get the next change request. Mm-hmm. Now the you know the the operators and 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 the workforce is saying we need these problems solved today, and we need them to be able to be very iterative, meaning that they can they can flex and change with the needs of the business.
0: Um, well, th- that's that's really interesting. We've seen that in both in the organizations we work with and in, in our own company where um, we're more apt to buy solutions today than to try to make them ourselves. Mm-hmm. Because um, I think one of the things that's happened in business today is is most of us have become conscious of the fact we have our core competency that we're good at. Yep, And um, we usually don't do too good when we try to go outside of that. Yes. And, and so, um, so you make a solution that people can buy and yes. buy into, and you have a number of solutions, audits, inspections, field, merchandising, food safety, it goes on and on. Yep. But let's talk for a minute about insurance because this is an insure tech podcast. So let's be yes. true to that. Let's, yes. let's talk about insurance. How did you guys, how did you kind of, how did that come into your roadmap?
1: Well, it's interesting because we've always had um, a strong desire to enter the insurance market. And one of the reasons why is that the workflow does look very, very similar to the workflow that we support today for a lot of our customers, which is there's a specified set of information that needs to be captured. It needs to be really? captured in a way that is irrefutable meaning that it is objective and it's sound and it has gps validation and a time and date stamp uh, and it's it's easy to prove the validity of and it needs to be accessible in a way uh, in a database where it's easy to comprehend and share either internally or with partners Mm -hmm. and so we actually begin to get into the insurance space largely by a handful of conversations i had with peers of mine that were working on different software companies and uh one of them brought to me this this kind of opportunity to say hey you know here's a form that i've seen that is an insurance inspection and i'm not entering that space because of xyz reason mm-hmm. uh but i think it would work really well with your software mm-hmm. and we said you know sure like let's give it a try so we actually just began to translate some of the inspections that we were seeing for you know very common insurance workflows around auto and home and property to say how might we be able to translate this into the check ecosystem? So we ran a few tests internally and we found that our product was actually a phenomenally strong fit for that same use case. The next step for us was understanding, okay, we can technically pull it off, but it's our job to ensure that we really understand the business drivers and build some domain expertise. So what that's put us on is really a listening tour to go out and better understand you know, what are the key drivers of the economics for these insurers and for their partners, where we can drive more efficiencies and more focus to allow them to do exactly what you said, their core competency as best as they can, where we do the work of building and maintaining software that helps them do their job more effectively. So for us, it was very much almost like how we started the company, which is that it was a focus on Customer development, pragmatic approach, and just being willing to listen and learn about some of the nuances and differences uh, in the particular insurance use case that that are very similar and look a lot like what a PepsiCo or an Anheuser Busch is doing within our system, um, but are also different enough that we need to go and educate.
0: Well, you know, if you strip away some of the industry-specific issues and problems, we have a highly mobile. Uh, gig economy workforce that works for our particular company. Now we're an independent insurance adjusting company and we have 1099 independent insurance adjusters all over the country. And, and one of the struggles that we have is consistency, uniformity, um, things like that, that I assume that your product would really help us to um, uh, get past. Yes
1: absolutely and it's one of the you know key focus areas of the types of uh workforces that we tend to enable which is that one they do uh tend to be relatively high turnover, meaning that it's either gig oriented. So people come into the work and then exit the work or it can be a relatively short tenure. So you might be a salesperson out in the field for Budweiser for a year and then move into marketing at HQ. Mm -hmm. And so the principles are very much the same where the software not only needs to be able to capture and provide a consistent and objective reflection of whatever is being captured out in the field, But it also needs to be very good at guiding the user on this is the process, this is the workflow, and this is the outcome that you're trying to get to. So what we've done is we've done things like embedded training materials, whether that's videos or PDF, Mm. right into the workflow of the application. So now a user, even if it's their first day on the job, feels Mm -hmm. like they have spelled out step one, two, three, this is what needs to be accomplished. Here's some reference materials or a video to watch to understand exactly what to do and then submit your information. So now what we've done is we've kind of consolidated both the capture of information with the process and the training to ensure that, for instance, in your use case, that your 1099s are now hopefully significantly more enabled and can do their work better and faster in a more focused way while reducing your training time and overhead, even with what is ultimately a a, a very mobile and gig-oriented workforce.
0: So would you have a uh, a product kind of a standard um format product for the insurance industry and then carriers could customize on top of that is that yes. how it would work
1: Yeah that's that's exactly right and you know what we focus on and that leads to that kind of need to ensure that we have some domain expertise is what we like to do is we like to kind of provide what we say is of the solution. So we'll say, hey, we're going to get you off the ground. Here are maybe some standard templates to use. Here's what we've seen other customers use. But then the great part about the system is that it's really meant to reflect your way of working. We're very big believers that software should work the way that you do, and you shouldn't be forced to work the way that the software does. Oh, wow. So that means that's refreshing. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. It means that flexibility is built in because you know that, you know, you're ultimately doing something that is a little bit unique and special in your particular use case. And that means that we can give some best practices and a jumping off point. But you have all the flexibility in the world to customize it as you see fit to match your exact way of working.
0: Do you see yourself as a solution mostly for the claims end of the business?
1: We think that's, you know, definitely the best starting point. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of our, you know, vision for our company and what we do well is that we like to work with an organization or a you know, sub part of an industry or a use case where we believe we can immediately add the most value. Mm-hmm. But what we like to do over time and where we think our customers end up getting a lot of ROI is being able to use the system in many, many use cases. So it's very common that we'll come in and someone will say, hey, I have this one hair on fire processor problem that right. I need to improve. Um, and that could be uh, anything. And then over time, we're kind of consuming more and more and it works the same way on an industry level where we came into beer wine and spirits uh as an example which was our first industry that we ever focused on very much on the supplier side so the people that are actually you know distilling the the spirits or making the wine or the manufacturers Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. And then eventually moved into the distributors as well. The, the organizations that work with many suppliers and distribute their products to the shelf. Mm -hmm. So kind of, we think about, we think about the insurance industry in very much the same way, Mm -hmm. which is that, you know, we're going to pick a very targeted starting point, which is claims, Mm -hmm. and then continue to expand the breadth of where we can play across the industry. Mm -hmm.
0: Do you see yourself working uh, first with carriers or with service providers like us, or
1: we think service providers first. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason why is we think that they're uh, with with our kind of current solution and opportunity, uh, the service providers are kind of you know quote closest to the problem, mm-hmm. um, and also have the domain expertise that could help us learn the industry faster and better. And then I think from there ultimately up to the carriers. But um, we think that the the service providers and partners are the best place to get started.
0: Well, we, um, as a service provider, have a great need, actually, for this, and not only um, among our current 1099s, but there's an emerging um, movement and, and as associated workforce for what we call uh, virtual claim inspectors. We've also called them expediters. But basically what it is, it's a non-adjuster data collector. A non a, a data collector who is not a licensed adjuster and that's what you guys are all about right is is helping a um, unspecialized worker collect data
1: absolutely and I think that what we'll you know continue to see Rob is that dynamic where you know you'll see more and more specialization um, for data Deeper knowledge spaces where there is required training and certification and true deep domain expertise, mm-hmm. and then you'll see more and more contingent and gig labor in the areas where it is repeatable work, meaning that you don't need deep specialization in order to do the job effectively. Um, that's where we kind of play the most, and and we believe that that is driven by uh, you know the gig economy and the changes of the the way that people want to work and want to, to do their jobs. And uh, you know that's obviously you know uh, a lot of what what you guys do at, at 470, mm-hmm. but is what we also see across many industries. Um, and I think that is a sea change that is also incredibly important, which is that the very nature of work is changing, right. and more and more people are looking for work that is fluid and gig-based, meaning that they can pick up certain jobs here and there, and then get on with their dreams of becoming a professional musician <laughs> there and you go. Uh, that's fantastic you know and we want to enable that that economy for sure.
0: so your user interface must be critical
1: it is I it's mean, so I mean, important that I mean because it, you have these
0: um, un, un, relatively untrained unskilled gig workers coming into something that's brand new, maybe collecting data on something that they don't even particularly understand how do, uh, how do you deal with that?
1: It's very much about guiding the user in a way that is simple and easy for them. So I'll give you an example. I think that almost everybody today would be very, very frustrated if they needed a user manual to understand how to work Instagram or Facebook. And what I mean by that is that the the digitally native and really almost every consumer today has higher and higher expectations around the ease of use of technology. So that is trickling down from waiting in line for the burger and playing angry birds, to how do I complete the work that I have to do for this assignment or for my employer? And so, our expectation as we build out our products is that we can make it as simple as using any other consumer application. Mm-hmm. And that means that the software guides you down an experience that is delightful, fast, and easy. Mm-hmm. And what we're seeing is that as employees or contingent laborers, have frustrating experiences with the software that they have to use to complete their job, they're much less likely to return to that job or use the system. Of course. And then what then what you run into is you end up with this kind of shelfware, this this software that collects digital dust because the thing's so difficult to use no one really wants to use it. So they go back to their old way of working. So uh, you're 100% right rob that we we focus a ton on the user interface and the user experience and that the benefit of that is is twofold one it reduces training time and that's a huge cost saver and it optimizes labor but two it provides a a faster and better experience which means that the work is typically going to get done in a more efficient way mm-hmm.
0: well and i like this you know in the insurtech space one of the things um the 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 things that is happening is there's lots and lots of new entries. In fact, one of the things that we've learned about the insure tech space is that there's tons and tons of new entrepreneurial companies coming on the scene. And they're frequently um, people who aren't necessarily insurance people. They don't understand. Maybe they don't have a lot of great depth of knowledge about the insurance space, uh, certainly the claims space. Uh, but they might have a cool product, but the interesting thing about you guys is is that you 've kind of already beta tested um, everything and you're just applying it to a similar kind of use case just a, a, a different scheme but yeah but this it's the same idea so you 've already had an opportunity to test out your product in these other verticals and you 'll just yes. you're just looking to apply it to a new one.
1: Yeah. And I think that's a, it's a great advantage that we have that we've, we operate at scale. We have a a phenomenal amount of usage, you know, Mm -hmm. nearly 600 million tasks completed on the the software. Wow. Congratulations.
0: That's amazing.
1: Oh, thank you. Yeah. It's super, we're, we're super proud of, of the scale that we've been able to, to get to over the past handful of years, Uh but that does absolutely de-risk it. Um, because, it means that the software is scalable and and secure and easy to use. Mm -hmm. And now it's just about continuing to build that domain expertise. And um, we believe that 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 is an advantage that we can bring to the market where we can take the best learnings that we've we've already learned from PepsiCo and Anheuser-Busch and Clorox and apply them to an interesting and valuable vertical where we believe we can bring something differentiated and unique to the table.
0: So uh, let me ask you a very important question. Yeah. and that is uh, we're gonna we're gonna shift gears for a little bit here. Go spot check. Okay. Where'd that name come from? Not that not that it's hard to understand.
1: <laughs> it is. Uh, it's not. It's, it's not. That, uh, it's not.
0: We go, go get maternity wear. I mean, <laughs> I'm guessing that wasn't the first name. Is that
1: true? No, it was. The, is it? That it is is true. it true? it is true. In fact, if you look at our, our we're, a, we're a registered uh, C corporation in Delaware. And uh, if you pull our charter, there's been three different corporate entities that we, we've we renamed. So uh, it's been a, it's been a long journey on the, just even on the naming. And I, and I will say that, you know, it's, it's uh, we continue to remain uh, open-minded about, uh, you know, potentially shifting our name to be more reflective of what we're really all about. Because if you think back to the origin story on the name, I remember it vividly. It was a uh, summer afternoon in Boulder. The summer that we started the company, we we actually started up in Boulder, then moved down to Denver uh, about three months later. But we were up in Boulder, and we kind of said, "Hey, quick, we need a name." And we spent about <laughs> an hour brainstorming. We said, "What about Spot Check? It's kind of cool. Like, kind of represents what we do." Mm-hmm. And sure enough, that was taken. So we said, "What about Go Spot Check?" Mm-hmm and we just kind of threw it out there and at that point in time we had no idea if we were going to be able to feed ourselves in 2 weeks or not <laughs> and uh you know now we've kind of grown into a real organization and uh we get we get a lot of guff for it everything is it is it ghost pot check is it gazpacho is it mm. i've heard it all over the years um so it's something that we have a a great sense of humor about no doubt
0: well we know you as GSC
1: yes I do like that. Uh, that makes it a little bit cleaner and easier. Uh-huh.
0: And I will say for our listeners, um, we've had the opportunity to do some work with Go Spot Check and to have actually many conversations with them. And we're really excited about what the future might hold. Um, Absolutely. We, we look forward to that and welcome you into the insurance environment. So if if it's yeah no please it's
1: thrilled to be I was going to say it's a thrill to be here and I appreciate your uh, your openness and willingness willingness to help us learn the uh, learn the industry a bit Rob it means a lot. So if
0: somebody wanted to uh, reach out to go spot check or to uh, uh, see if your your product might be applicable for their company how would they go about doing that?
1: Well, first and foremost, our website, dot is a great starting point to learn more. Uh and then second, you know, I'm I'm very open and would love anybody to reach out to me direct. Um, and especially uh, you know, to help us learn, but also to to you know help share some of the awesome things that we do in our software. Uh and I can be reached uh just at Matt at dot M A T T at dot Great.
0: Well now you're gonna get all lit up. See you there. Yeah, yeah I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> see what happens and if you do just one penny of each dollar
1: yes <laughs> deal that's it deal that's a great that's a great okay. rate i was expecting you to say a quarter on each no, dollar No, no so we'll no, call no. it a deal no, no.
0: pigs get <laughs> pigs get slaughtered no uh-uh. well listen Amazing. we we can't thank you enough for having uh for being with us today and for taking some time and um uh listen let me ask you this. Can we get back together, say, in six months or a year and talk about how things have, have gone in the insurance industry? Because I will say it, it's a very different kind of world, and uh, I'm sure you guys are experiencing that already, and uh, I'd love to hear about your journey, though, um, as it progresses.
1: It would be my honor, and I, I would love to do that, Rob. Okay, Thanks. Course. Thank you for having me. It was awesome being on today and I appreciate you uh, extending the invite.
0: Well, there's our interview with Matt Talbot. We're really grateful to him for his time and energy and uh, enthusiasm about his product. I think it's a really interesting story the way that they started with, uh, as, a, as a maternity wear solution, uh, but they're a pretty long way from that today. Uh, It's a great story about how they evolved and pivoted. And I'm always interested in how these technology companies that have a need to move very quickly for lots of different reasons, how they go from being uh, maybe one kind of a solution to another one entirely. And this is a a good example of that. Um, We've had the opportunity to do some preliminary work with GoSpotCheck through a third party that we're um, all working with, and we see it as a really important f- tool to our future, um, to being able to help our expeditors and uh, virtual claim adjusters in doing, in accomplishing these tasks in an organized and fu- and and productive way. And, uh, we've seen the product, we've seen the tool and have had the opportunity to do some preliminary use with it and are really excited about, uh, uh, about what it can do and what it can be. And, um, so I encourage everybody out there to reach out to go spot check to see if their solution may be something that's, that's right for you. And, uh, we, and, and again, we thank Matt Talbot for his time and, uh. Uh, for his patience today. We also thank you for being our listeners and ask that you subscribe to our podcast. You can do that any number of ways, including going to our website, which is com, and check that out. And until next time, thank you very much.